Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. This year, Eurofound, the EU agency providing knowledge to assist in the development of better social, employment and work-related policies, released the results of an EU-wide survey on the living conditions of European citizens during COVID-19. Among many results, the study shows that when social media is the preferred news source of people, trust in institutions plummets. Meanwhile, in the Austrian city of Graz, an engineer is trying to push public institutions and citizens to adopt alternatives to mainstream commercial social media platforms to interact with their peers online. Coming up on Europe Talks Back, the relationship between news consumption on social media and declining trust in institutions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'll be right back. I'm André from Graz, and I've been studying different subjects over the past 10 years. There's piano studies and engineering, but since all this time, I've engaged in all kind of transformation and society topics, also on a regional level, but also in very utopic level, like the society of a world as a whole. Where do we go as a humanity? The voice you just heard is from André Menrad. André lives in the Austrian city of Graz. Today, he's also the administrator of Graz.social. Yes, one of these things I founded Graz.social, a kind of an example platform, how the internet could change, like the internet could change how like publishing things and social drastically change. Technology exists and I just wanted to this platform demonstrate that it actually works. So Graz Social comes very close to social media platform, but it's fully dedicated to the city of Graz, or at least to its community of people. If Graz is part of Austria, in the real physical world, Graz Social is part of something different. It's part of the Fidiverse. Grad Social is a part of the Fidiverse. The Fidiverse is a short abbreviation for Federated Universe. And it's just like the big sum of Federated Social Media Service. Like you could say like an alternative to the email network, but in terms of publishing articles, movies, media and interacting media. But how did all of this happen? How was Grad Social born? 
I have never really been a big fan of social media because of all um, addiction it created, my friends. But still, I felt like this very basic human need of having this social interaction also on news, which appear on the internet. It's just nice to be, if you want to, kind of consume the new information just to make abonnements and see what's going on and also maybe to just get into discussion quickly also with strangers um, which is something I always liked but I never could really do In 2018 André bumped into a book that changed his understanding of the digital world Back in 2018 I read this very important book from Susanna Shuboff about the age of surveillance capitalism The age of surveillance capitalism is a sociological essay. The book pictures the current world we live in as an economic system centered around the capture and commodification of personal data for the core purpose of profit making. Obviously, the social media companies of our days are part of the system. So when it's capitalism, this kind of new industry is like the largest industry in terms of money flow. And yeah, the social impact, I think, is very underestimated still and not understood properly by the vast majority. So after reading Shubov's The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, André gets interested in topics such as data privacy. He digs into the German blogger sphere, participates in online forums, And this is where he discovers the idea and world of decentralized social networks. Now, the key thing here is that decentralized social networks operate on independently run servers rather than on a centralized server owned by a business. And so, André discovers the Fidiverse, which is nothing else but a network of interconnected servers which communicate with each other based on decentralized networking protocols. You can think of the Fidiverse as a parallel system to the social media networks we know of today. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. These alternative decentralized social networks already exist. And one of the most successful platforms of the Fidiverse is called Mastodon. Just focused on not publishing any kind of media, but for publishing short ideas, like short kinds of text, like on Twitter. You may can also publish short videos or you can publish some photos as well along with your text. Mastodon became the most successful service. André calls Mastodon the Twitter of the Fidiverse. But what is the link between Mastodon and Grad Social eventually. Grad Social is a Mastodon instance. What does instance mean? It means if I have an account on Grad Social, I can follow people which have an account on another Mastodon instance, which might be Mastodon.social, and I can also interact with them, and they can interact with me seamlessly, without even realizing. So on Mastodon, persons log into a specific instance. And each instance is independently run by its owner and sets its own policies for membership, content and moderation. Which is really where the idea of decentralization comes to life. What we now define at Kratzer Social, we define our own rules. For example, the most basic rule is which languages are allowed. Because like we allow only English and German. And why do we do that? Because like all this administration and moderation work is done by volunteers. And you can clearly see who does it. And we don't speak any other languages that well. Or we don't allow to show graphical violence. And just because of this one instance makes the decision, it doesn't affect the other instance. And if you're not happy with the rules which are on your instance, 
and not happy how the moderators enforce those rules, you can just switch to a new instance. Grads.social is just one of Mastodon's instances, and André is the owner. Actually, coming back to the comparison between Mastodon and Twitter, that comparison might be unfortunate. Here's why. The Mastodon gives you control over what content you see. Like you have this freedom and transparency and fairness of information. Like when I follow some accounts on some other instances or my local instance, then I just get the new posts from them in a chronological order and nothing else. And there's nothing omitted. I can use several filters. I can mute people from time to time. But I have total control over what I see and when I see it. In Andre's view, the contrast between Mastodon and commercial social media platforms of today couldn't be starker. What does Twitter do? Does the Twitter algorithm work? It does not like give me the most neutral results at the most neutral timeline. It gives me the timeline which makes me addicted. And it's clearly what makes me addicted is what makes me emotionally affected. And which might not be the most scientific, like the most true, most neutral, the most neutral posts, which are very like emotional posts, which might be false or fake news, anything like that. Because of this very basic fundamental difference in structure, how you control it, is a big step towards a more, yeah, a more human social network, like a more friendly social network, a constructive social network with less echo chambers, with less hate, because it doesn't have this internal structures where all this emotionally, and mostly I have to say negative emotions, because they just are even stronger most of the time than positive emotions, get boosted in a very unhealthy way. Graz.social is an instance of Mastodon, and therefore part of the Fidiverse. Today, Graz.social has approximately 600 accounts, but Mastodon as a whole counts more than 1.2 million active users, logged into as many as over 4,000 instances. So what's next for André in Graz.social? We have currently made contact with the city of Graz. We are about to make contact with also the land Styria, which is a part of Austria. And we are also about to make contact, for example, the universities, because we want to engage them to make their own instances. We also want to spread this idea and show how they can make social media work in a healthy way. Eventually, I asked André what social media platforms should be all about. People always make strange reactions when I put in a nutshell what social media is about. It's about you want to have just have an easy way of publishing something in the internet without having to set up your own website and own domain and paying for it. And you want to have interaction with other people. You want others to comment and you want to reshare those and repost things you find nice. You want to like things. That is what social media is about. If we have social media, we just focus it on these big platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our idea of it got so much shaped by those big companies that we lost what the original idea was. We'll be right back. Massimiliano Mascherini is head of the social policies unit at Eurofound. Massimiliano leads Eurofound's European Quality of Life surveys and the COVID-19 e-surveys. The results of the fifth round of these surveys were released this year. Crucially, they say that social media 
with its higher concentration of unverified news content and louder, less nuanced perspectives, has a role to play in declining trust of people and institutions. More specifically, when social media is the preferred news source, trust plummets. So, this is me speaking to Massimiliano Mascherini. So, Massimiliano, we brought you in because in the context of a large research endeavor Eurofound undertook, you were able to cast a light on the relationship between news consumption on social media and trust in institutions. But before we dig into that, I would like to ask you to explain a bit the larger context within which these results emerged. At Eurofound, uh, we fielded uh, an e-survey, which is called uh, the Living, Working and COVID-19 survey, since uh, the onset of the pandemic. So since uh, April 2020, that was the first onset of the pandemic, we monitored the economic and social impact of the pandemic on Europeans. Overall, uh, we fielded the five wave of this e-survey and uh, we collected more than 200,000 observations in the European Union. Union and recently beyond. Thanks to these surveys, we are able to, to chart the impact of the pandemic as well as of the non-pharmaceutical intervention put in place in order to control the pandemic on living conditions of Europeans. So we found very interesting things actually that help us to understand what happened and what is going on now actually. So the impact on mental well-being, for example, the economic impact of the pandemic, how was this perceived by our citizens? And then more recently regarding vaccine hesitancy, the use of media, till the perception over the war in Ukraine. Now, going back to this specific result you found, namely a correlation between news consumption on social media and trust in institutions, I'd like to ask you to elaborate on this. If uh, you use uh, social media as uh, your main source of information, you are more likely to have uh, a low trust uh, in institutions. While if you use uh, normal uh, media channels, news channels, that can be journals, uh, newspapers, and so on, your trust in institutions is uh, higher. This actually is not one causing the others, actually, but uh, it reflects a discontent that the citizens may have against their own institutions. So if you are discontent, you trust less uh, traditional channels uh, and uh, you, are, you trust less your institutions that uh, you see reflected in traditional media channels and then you inform yourself uh, through social media. We know that uh, social media actually provides uh, unverified uh, information and you have the spread of fake news so they can act as a, an incubator fueling the non-trust in your institutions actually. So it's a lack of a circle, a vicious circle that brings uh, people to the extreme dreams, actually, and so therefore trusting less and less institutions. So is there anything we can say about how the geography of Europe influences those results? Yes, we can. The use of social media as main source of information is uh, heterogeneous among European countries. So basically, from the data, uh, we see that East European countries are more likely to have a larger share of uh, citizens that inform themselves through social media and also Mediterranean countries, while countries from Western Europe, Central and Western Europe, citizens are more likely to inform themselves through normal channels. 
So there is a big difference, actually. Let's say that, uh, for example, only the 14% of Danish respondents had social media as a main source of information against uh, values that are higher than the 40%, in some cases reaching also the 50% in, uh, for example, in, in Croatia, in Cyprus, as well as in the Baltic republics. You could see, for example, from this distribution that there is the same distribution in trust in institutions, Western countries have a higher trust in institutions and against these Mediterranean countries and Eastern countries have a low trust in institutions. Right. So besides geographical factors, I guess the other interesting element would be to understand how social demographic variables have an impact on this. There is an effect of age, gender, and especially economic activity, as well as your financial situation. If you explore trust, for example, and the trends are similar, you see that young people trust institutions more than a prime age group, then it's a natural flow because you are young, you trust a lot your institution, you become adult. Some of us, unfortunately, start to have frustrating experience with the labor market as well as other things, so frustrating experience with our institutions or our social contract, so your trust decreases, and then it increases towards older age, actually. So in general, people that use more social media for gathering their main news are prime age people, 35 to 50, prevalently men. It's a particular composition in terms of labor market participation. We find more people using social media among self-employed and among unemployed and especially among those who actually face some type of financial vulnerabilities. And in terms of education, those with the lower education are more likely to use the social media as a main source of information. So it's a mix between a lack of education in some sense or low education as well as financial vulnerabilities, actually. The case of self-employed, I think, is very interesting because it goes a bit against this construct, actually, but self-employed were those that during the pandemic suffered more the direct consequences of non-pharmaceutical intervention. So, for example, of lockdowns, and we can think about owners of restaurants, of hotels, as well as other retail shops that were closed during the pandemic. So it's really a, a mix of these two components. The frustration for the lockdowns and the lack of education and financial vulnerabilities. So once again, I'd like to be absolutely sure about the message we are sharing here with our audience. We are not talking about a causal effect of one thing on the other, right? I would say that the process do not start with social media, but start as you are in this situation, you tend to have a low trust in institution. For this reason, you refuse the normal media, you inform yourself through social media that are an echo chamber for reinforcing your frustration and then you trust even less your institutions actually i think that everything do not start with social media everything starts with a discontent that you have that is amplified through social media channels and so it decreases the trust that you have in this actor if you look at the characteristics of this population we're not saying that everybody does that but what we see on average is that uh, People that uh, is discontent and form themselves uh, through social media is more likely to have uh, quite a low satisfaction with the current status of democracy in their own countries. It's like it's an aggregator of economic and social discontent that then is expressed in ways that goes against what uh, institution that in that case is seen as like an elite uh, proposed. So let me ask you, 
to what extent are the results you found something totally new? What we have found uh, is really this uh, creation of uh, echo chamber of social media to basically create this uh, vicious circle. It's like putting a petrol on this content. So it's basically a form of self-reinforcing uh, discontent and frustration that happens in the framework of the social media, especially if used only as main source of information. This is due to how social media works, due to the algorithm that basically, if you are discontent, you only see similar news because this is how the algorithm works. So you read only things that goes with your mindset and with your thought. So there is a reinforcement of this identity and this, of this discontent. And can we say anything about the political engagement of this type of persons you identified through the survey? Analyzing the, the, the data collected through, through two years, uh, we saw that basically there is a, an important change in the political participation of this group. According to our data, actually, this group was more likely to do not vote in past elections, actually. They were quite not engaged in political participation before. Uh, more likely those who informed themselves through social media has become politically active and is more likely to participate to demonstration, to contact politicians than the other part of the population that is informing through normal channels, actually, and they have a higher rate of trust in institutions. And as a result, we see that while they are quite less satisfied with democracy, they become more and more confident about their political participation. So linking to the, the framework of Hirschman in social policy that basically says that if you are not happy with your institution, you have three ways. Or you exit, so you are disengaged, or you raise your voice, or you are loyal and you don't do nothing, actually. So what we see is that this group is moving from the exit status that they were not engagement status, actually, to a voice status. So they start to be politically active. And of course, this will have implications for European member states in next elections, of course. And in these, social media can be fueled, can be thrown on this discontent. I am very happy when people participate in politics. So this is a good news and enlarged participation. The problem is that uh, social media provide non-verified information and the third countries like Russia that could be interested in the destabilization of Europe has plenty of maneuver in order to ensure that this petrol is thrown on the discontent of Europeans. I guess a final point is discussing What can be done to reinforce trust in institutions by people who appear to have lost their trust? It's quite complicated why we have this trend, but of course the 2008 crisis thrown seeds of social unfairness uh, among, among the population. I think that in order to strengthen trust in institutions, which is the glue that basically glue us all together in our social contract, it is important that uh, public services are provided uh, to all those in need and they are of good quality support and a strong social protection system is provided provided to all Europeans that need. If you talk about the European Union, among European member states, we see that uh, being together in the European Union project is a win-win situation for everyone, and this is felt by the population. And so schemes like the Next Generation EU and the answer of the European Union through the pandemic is uh, 
the way forward so that people can, can see really the value added of staying all together. And in this, we see two different trends. One is the one for governments and the one is the trust in the European Union. The trust of government has the surge in April 2020, was the rally around the flag, actually. We were all scared, we were all close to our government, and then it decreased steadily. For the European Union, it was the opposite. The initial answer in April 2020, when countries were divided, left the citizens quite uh, skeptical about this, actually. So the trust in the EU was, was low. And then with the launch of the next generation EU in, in July 2020, we had... Uh, a spark and an increase, a massive increase in the trust of the European Union. And now, also with the war in Ukraine, we see a quite higher trust in the EU than the trust in national government. Massimiliano, thanks a lot for this. Thanks a lot, it was a pleasure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We'll be right back. You can follow Massimiliano at Mascherini M. That's M-A-S-S-I-M-I-L-I-A-N-O-M. You can equally follow Eurofound on Twitter at Eurofound. That's E-U-R-O-F-O-U-N-D. And you can get in touch with André Menrad, logging in at Mastodon. André's handle on Mastodon is at Linos. That's L-I-N-O-S. And visit Graz Social at graz.social. That's G-R-A-Z dot S-O-C-I-A-L. And this is it for this week's episode of Europe Talks Back. The producer of Europe Talks Back is Antoine Lheureux. Sound design is by Jeremy Bouquet. Editorial work is by Maria Dioche and myself. Editing and mixing is by Jeremy Bouquet and Thomas Kusberg. Promotion and marketing by Katrin Skapadas. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci. We'll be back next Friday.